Welcome to an emergency episode of The Shamrock. We typically don't record on Friday afternoons in the offseason, but here we are as Notre Dame offense coordinator Tommy Reese is no longer Notre Dame's offense coordinator. He's accepted the position at Alabama. Um, actually saw him fly out on Thursday around early afternoon time uh, in a white plane with a Alabama logo on the tail um, as he headed down to Tuscaloosa. Returned today. Um, Matt and I have sort of reported out that he talked to the team, told them that he was taking the job, and that was all probably in the last hour. Uh, so, Matt, what uh, your initial takeaway after a kind of a, a rapid 48 hours um, that went from a Zoom call on Wednesday to accepting the job on a Friday for Tommy Reese? Very newsy, not terribly surprised. I mean, I know his name wasn't the first one that came up when, when Bill O'Brien went to uh, – first name that came up publicly when Bill O'Brien went went to, to New England, which we all kind of expected to happen at the end of the season. But not terribly surprised. I mean, I remember hearing as far back as um, 2020, Tommy Reese's first year as the OC at Notre Dame, um, I was told at the time they beat Clemson in that epic double overtime game. Clemson was number one in the country at the time. Uh, Notre Dame really took it to Clemson offensively. Uh, they huddled a lot. They did a lot to, to, to kind of combat the the sign stealing and, and other tactics that Brent Venables and his staff had become widely known for at that point. And, and from my understanding, there were people part of the Alabama football program who watched that game essentially in real time and tried to get on the phone with Reese now and be like, who is this guy? How did he do it? We're going to need to do the same thing because we're probably going to play Clemson in the playoff this year like we usually do. Uh, so I, I think there's been a, a lot of respect from afar for, for Tommy Reese. I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of respect in the industry. I mean, look, there's a reason Brian Kelly tried to take him with him to LSU last year and November 4th has suddenly become a, a circle year, circle year game kind of, kind of date uh, next year. I guess it already would have been since LSU beat Alabama last year, but now with Tommy Reese against, uh, against Brian Kelly, it's a little juicier. Um, you know, Miami made a very aggressive push uh, around this time last year for, for Tommy Reese as well. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised. I mean, uh, you've written it, you've spoken it, and you even corrected yourself via text with me this week saying you've never covered a fourth-year offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, which Tommy Reese was on the brink of becoming. And as you did the math, you realized you covered Mike Haywood. So I don't know if that's the company you want to keep <laughs> if you're a Notre Dame OC, at least in the Brian Kelly no. slash Marcus Riemann era of Notre Dame football. Uh, but no, good for Tommy. I mean, I don't know this, but I would venture to guess there was one other college assistant job that could make it really, really hard to say no to, and this was it um, at this point in time. You know, Notre Dame's his alma mater. Yeah. He stayed last year when he had the opportunity to leave. He stayed as – I mean, I was texting people close to him last night, you know, as, as this thing dragged on, and, and they said, look, don't underestimate this guy's loyalty. Look back at his playing career. I mean, there was no reason he should have stayed at Notre Dame as long as he did as a player as far as the way he got treated, the way he was kind of jerked around on the depth chart, um, the way they just kind of took him for granted as this guy who's going to come in and save the day when the guy they – want starting screws up um again different era that probably plays out differently a decade later but but they said don't underestimate this guy's loyalty and i I would venture to guess uh, that is probably the biggest reason this lasted as long as it did i mean you know the timeline that me and you have have, have both been told was 
you know, he zoomed with Alabama on Wednesday and it was serious enough where, all right, I want to at least see this place before I go work there. Alabama sends a plane to get him. They gave him the five-star treatment yesterday from, from all indications with his fiance. With his fiance. I mean, that I yes. always thought that was like kind of a tell there. It's like, you don't do that. Like you don't bring your girlfriend home to meet <laughs> exactly. your parents. Exactly. Um, and then, uh, he met with them again today or was scheduled to meet with them again today. I, I was honestly surprised the longer it dragged out, the, the, the brighter, the glimmer of hope for lack of a better term, I would have given Notre Dame of keeping him just because he hadn't said yes yet. And let's face it. Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. If he wants you to call his plays, you're going to say yes. Nine and a half times out of 10. And, and so it was a probably a pretty tough and challenging 48 to 72 hour period for, for, for Tommy Reese, as far as figuring out what he wants to do. But I mean, Look, as much as we want to say Notre Dame's a power and competing for national championships and operating at the highest level, like, let's face it, Alabama's in a different league than everyone else. Alabama and Georgia right now are in a different league than everyone else in, every, in the way they operate. And the raw material he's going to have to work down there from a football standpoint is going to be night and day from what he has to work with throughout his Notre Dame career, both as a player and as a coach. Um, it, it's different. I mean... <laughs> There's no more big you-know-what move than flying a plane with your logo on it basically to the backyard of a campus <laughs> and just scooping up your OC and bringing him down. And, and I don't think they intended to make a public show of it, but you're also not trying to hide things when you fly into South Bend, Indiana with a uh, with a private plane that has the Alabama logo on it. So uh, this, this, this is Alabama. You know, same way Keon Keeley went to Alabama. You know why? I'm sure people have their theories like it's Alabama <laughs> if Alabama wants you really really hard to say no to them regardless of what it's for and so they don't just want anybody either I know there, there'll be some mixed feelings I'm sure in the Notre Dame fan base and maybe even in the Goog about Tommy Reese leaving his alma mater but like <laughs> there's no greater validation that you know what you're doing than the greatest football coach in the history of college football wants you to call his place at the age of 30, by the way, and a guy who he has zero personal or professional connection to. I mean, every past OC he's had, dating back to Lane Kiffin, I believe, is someone who's either already on staff or had already been a head coach. Well, Lane Kiffin had been a head coach. Or someone a lot more accomplished, at least on paper, than, than Tommy Reese was because they were older and had a longer time to build that resume. This is the ultimate validation of this guy's football genius. And... Looking forward to seeing what he does down there, and obviously locally, looking forward to seeing how Notre Dame moves forward from this because, you know, for all the good things that I just said about Tommy Reese, Notre Dame's got a lot to sell to an offense coordinator. There are a lot of available great names out there right now, and I'm, I'm curious to see where they go from here. Yeah, it, I mean, I was talking, I was on an Alabama radio show this morning, and they're asking, you know, why, you know, where do you think Reese's career is going? And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's, I don't, and I mean that in the sense of like NFL or college, I'm not really sure he knows quite yet. Um, I could see him flipping back and forth between them. But when you go to Alabama, you have both options. Um, you know, the, the list of the last five Alabama offensive coordinators, what we've got Bill O'Brien, Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin. Mm, skip uh, two. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess they, they go through pretty – they go Mike Loxley, Brian Dable, Lincoln. So the last yeah. five, Brian, Bill O'Brien, and let's see, Bill O'Brien was the head coach at Penn State and the head coach, and I believe GM of the Texans for a while as well. Um, Bill O'Brien's the only one to not leave there for a head coaching job. 
I think I Brian believe. Dable went. Oh, Brian Dable did at the time. You're for right, a minute. Right. Sorry, he did. You're right. But, you're right. But again, but who's not a head coach right now? Yeah, leaving the leaving Alabama as the OC to become an NFL OC is a step up. Bill Belichick's OC, like not just right. any OC. Um, so yeah, the last five currently: Patriots OC, University of Texas head coach, Maryland head coach, New York Giants head coach, Ole Miss head coach. And by the way, even dating back to Saban's first team there, this is crazy. And and, and Reese will, will will learn this if he hasn't already. The, the standard there is so incredibly high. Bill O'Brien is the only guy there who has left Tuscaloosa as an OC who never won or was part of a national championship winning uh, outfit at Alabama. Right. Major Applewhite, even. It was bizarre to read. Um, you know, our colleague Aaron Suttles around the time of the Peach Bowl sort of did a story where he, you know, talked to Bill O'Brien, I think in just a, a press setting about, you know, Alabama's offense and the struggles it was having. Uh, they struggled all the way to <laughs> averaging 41 point yeah. one points per game, which was fourth nationally yards per play. Uh, they were down at eight at 6.93 yards per play. So it's like the standard there is incredibly high. And I mean, a lot of ways that's, it's one of the things that I'm interested to sort of see how Reese adjusts because while Notre Dame is trying to get to there, imagine if Alabama lost to Marshall or Stanford. Like, like the I, world I can't, would, I can't. would end. Like <laughs> I Al- can't Alabama would just like melt and and go into the Earth's core. Um, so it's just it's a, just a completely different set of circumstances down there, a different set of demands. I think that's probably why Reese is interested in sort of seeing how it looks down there because it's the NFL is at the highest level and this is, but this is the highest level in college. Um, you know, so the, Bill, the Bill O'Brien coached the Heisman winner and was yeah. 10 minutes away from winning it all last year and kind of got run out of town. <laughs> right. You know, and you compare that to Notre Dame's former OCs, Tommy Reese, <laughs> Chip Long, Mike Sanford, Mike Denbrock, Chuck Martin, Charlie Molnar, Charlie Weiss in 2009, so, Mike Haywood, Bill Diedrich, Kevin Rogers, like, what, as you, good you as mentioned Dame, two two guys who are not who are actually still coaching out of that right. You just I mentioned. mean, as as good as Notre Dame's track record of taking DCs has been, for some reason or the other, the OC position here has not sort of borne fruit at all. So I, I would add is, to that. Not sorry, not to cut you off. Yeah. I, as much as Nick Saban is a boon for your resume, and there's no greater I think resume kind of enhancer than having Nick Saban as your boss on there. Having that ND logo, and we've said this about everything with ND, uh, two of those guys who are unemployed right now got head coaching jobs after not great jobs as the OC from Notre Dame. I mean, Mike Sanford yeah. was the OC who didn't even call plays on a 4-8 and eight Notre Dame team and became the head coach at what at the time was a really good Western Kentucky program. And Charlie Molinar um, at UMass as they were moving up to FBS after they really struggled in 2010 and 2011 as well. So um, I, I – not saying it's good or bad, but that definitely makes this job attractive to people, regardless of the time of the year it's in. Like you're going to get a good job out of it, more likely than not. Yeah, there's no doubt. So it's. I mean, I understand the the move. I you know I wrote this and we talked about it. So I think I might have stolen the the idea from you. But it's sort of like, you know, when John John Wooden or Coach K asks you to sit on the bench, you sit on the bench. Like that's it. There's there's not a discussion really to be had. Yeah, I mean. I, uh, this is like playing the long, long game here. And I don't think this in, came into play in any way, shape, or form. But you mentioned Coach K. Like, that guy spent whatever it was, 40 something years at the sideline at Duke. 
I, I, probably before I was born, there were articles being written about who will one day replace Coach K. The guy who ended up replacing him was John Shire, the guy who had the seat closest to him, who months earlier struck out on getting the DePaul job. Like, I, I, I think when you talk about living legends and who's going to eventually succeed, um, succeed these people, more often than not, it's whoever they pick and are comfortable with at that given time. Now, I'm not saying Tommy Reese is the future head coach of Alabama, but like I, Nick Saban decides to hang it up next year, two years, 10 years, whenever. I think it's more likely than not he's just going to put the whistle on the neck of whoever's closest to him at that moment in time, and that's going to be the next Alabama head coach. And we can have a whole other discussion about whether you actually want to succeed Nick Saban uh, as the head coach of Alabama. But again, the the, the possibilities with that job are, are, are really endless. Um, and you're just going to learn so much more. I mean, uh, Tommy's great, but he spent his entire college career, save for one year as a GA at Northwestern, at his alma mater. Right. I think you reach a ceiling there. And you probably reach some same reason Sam Hartman left Wake Forest after five years. Like, there's a fatigue and a ceiling um, that, that that sets in, and you need fresh ideas, and you need to go somewhere where you can grow. And again, there's no better place in college football to grow than on Nick Saban's coaching staff. It's going to be incredibly demanding, but again, like the, the rewards, both in the short term on the field and in the long term in your career more often than not, are, are, are going to bear fruit. And, and, again, he's only 30. Like, he's put himself in position now where he's, he's going to have a lot of opportunities in the next couple of years for himself to, to be a head coach at the NFL or college level. All right, pivoting to Notre Dame the part of this because uh, that is significant. We have a list on The Athletic already of sort of eight names to know. Not all really off one – one of them is not an offensive coordinator candidate. It would be more of like if they did a – if they zig, then you could zag with this guy as your quarterback's coach. What kind of offensive coordinator do you think Notre Dame needs? Where would you start looking? What's your first call if you're Marcus Freeman? We, we have a list out there right now, me and you, Pete, uh, of names. Some more speculative than others, but now's the time for that. <laughs> you know, that Tommy Reese just left, and um, there's, there's a really, really big opening on that staff. I think out of the names we have on there, which you can read online at The Athletic, the one that's really intriguing to me that I think would be uh, the best quote-unquote fit and who, who's good at his job and who we know the most about, I think it's Joe Moorhead. And I say that because he's obviously has head coaching experience, SEC head coaching experience um, from Mississippi State. And I know it, he got fired there, but the reality of the situation is that was more about fit than anything else. I mean, he went 14-12 and 12 in two years there. Mike Leach, God rest his soul, went just 19 and 17. One of them was beloved, the other was not because he was a Yankee. Well, Notre Dame's much more of a Northeastern type of school located in the Midwest than, than it is a, a Southeastern type of school. And, and Joe Moorhead is a devout Catholic who I know holds Notre Dame and Boston College near and dear to his heart. Uh, he's worked for uh, James Franklin at Penn State. He worked for Mario Cristobal at Oregon. Uh, ironically enough, Tommy Reese interviewed for that job as well. Uh, the same year, Brian Kelly ended up promoting him uh, to Notre Dame's OC. So I, I think it's definitely worth a call. Now, from my understanding, Nick Saban reached out to him a week ago, and he didn't show a whole lot of interest. But again, I think when we're talking about fit, um, for a guy who's currently the head coach at Akron, Notre Dame probably fits a little bit better than – Alabama in the Southeastern Conference, especially when he's kind of been there, done that, and, and kind of probably learned what's for him and what's not for him. I mean, you look at his resume, you look at his 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 coaching prowess, and that's a guy who you think should be in a place 
bigger and brighter than Akron as their head coach, where they went two and ten this year, and frankly, it was an impressive two and ten. That's was for my money the worst job in the country when he took it, but he's got some family there, and I think he's serious about hey, I've made a lot of money doing this. I just want to coach ball and, and be around my family, and you can probably. Uh, do that well enough in South Bend too, where they'll triple or quadruple your salary just to call plays there. So I, I think fit wise, that would be a really good one. Um, obviously there, there are other candidates out there. Um, Josh Gaddis is available. Um, you know, kind of a roller coaster two year ride for that guy from winning the Broyles award at Michigan last year to again, fired after one year at Miami, another job that Tommy Reese, um, actually interviewed for as OC last year as well. Um, I don't think Gaddis is as good as the Broyles Award would indicate. I don't think he's as bad as this year at Miami would indicate. I think that Michigan experience uh, and his availability makes it worth a call, at least to see what he's about and, and how that may or may not fit. Because Michigan and Notre Dame, as we all know, are very, very similar. Charlie Weiss Jr., I think, arose by any other name. Like, <laughs> would, would would be a real possibility. I don't know if that's the case right now. Um whether anyone would want to admit it or not, there would be some awkwardness there. I mean, the people making this hire, Jack Swarbrick and Ron Palace, along with Marcus Freeman, were also part of the people that, you know, in Jack's case, fired his dad from Notre Dame more than a decade, decade ago. And Ron worked for his dad uh, more than a decade ago at Notre Dame. So I, I don't know if it gets to that point uh, on resume alone. That's a and, and promise and background and working the SEC. I, I think that's very, very promising. I don't know if it gets to that point. One name that's interesting that, that's been thrown my way and from my understanding was another guy that was at least on Nick Saban's radar. I don't know if he ever actually interviewed him is Slade Nagel, who just got promoted um, as the offense coordinator at Tulane this offseason. So he's another one where I think you got to look beneath the surface. It's not a big name. It's not a power five program. Uh, he was technically the tight ends coach from 2016 to 2022 but everyone both in real time and after the fact would tell you he was the guy primarily calling the plays this year for Tulane which won 12 games the conference title and had a thrilling comeback against USC in the Cotton Bowl so um, that that might be a guy an outside the box hire you take a look at he's spent pretty much his entire career in the state of Louisiana and has a lot of experience mostly at the FCS and division two level. So I, I, I can see why if you're looking to recruit and coach at a place with the spotlight of Notre Dame, that could give you some pause, but I think it's worth uh, looking into. Um, you know, there are other guys out there. I know you have some names you want to get into as well, but I mean, th- those are ones that I think are, you know, gun to my head right now. I, if you ask me who I want to be, I, w- I would say Joe Moorhead. I'm sure there are other people out there uh, in Georgia, looks like they're going to be in the market for an OC now as well. And you might be crossing paths with them on the assistant recruiting trail. So that could complicate matters as well, depending on who you go after if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, this, there's a lot to it. I mean, somebody that is not on our list, and I, I don't know a ton about uh, Andy Lugwood and his, his background, but I mean, he's certainly what they're doing at Utah is good now. Um, there's more of a run first offense. He's got a ton of experience. Like to me, the the first priority would be play calling experience. I think that will probably be Marcus Freeman's priority as well. You this is not a play like you don't you're not looking to hire the next Tommy Reese. I think that would be a, a it could be a good hire, but it'd be an incredibly well, risky hire. Brian Kelly's that, also it, an offensive head coach. Yeah, it's a it's a risk Marcus Freeman should not take. Um it doesn't need to take. So 
you know, more Morehead to me checks a ton of boxes. Um, younger guy, uh, late for I think he's forty nine. Um, you know, in, availability would not necessarily be an issue based on compensation, uh, but it's more like, do you want to get into this or not? Um, I think an after play calling experience to me would be quarterback coaching and development experience, which is where. I think somebody like Gaddis doesn't doesn't make as much sense um, being a receivers guy. Like right. I think finding a, a quarterback first guy as your offensive coordinator, like that's the easiest path to finding a OC because most of them are quarterbacks coaches. But also, you're developing and putting your resources into the most important position on the field. So those would be the two things that jump out to me. Um, you know, Ludwig at Utah is quarterbacks guy, but he's coached other positions. Um, so, so, uh, former guest of the Shamrock, as we record this, texted me out of the blue saying, I want Andy Ludwig. Uh, you should look into him. Yes, uh, <laughs> I may have got the same text. But um, that's, I mean. I, I've heard good things about Ludwig. I mean, he's done a great job there. I'm not entirely familiar with that background, but he's, yeah, he's, I don't he's, got, need, a really, like, he's got a really good rep. This will sound strange, but like, remember when Notre Dame hired Mike Sanford and you're like, oh, that's like the hot up and coming name. Like, I don't need the hot up and coming name if I'm Notre Dame. I need somebody who knows what the hell they're doing and has, has a track record of doing it. Um, that's where somebody like Joe Moorhead really stands out to me, uh, both for his Penn State and his Oregon experience. Um, and like, let's, like, let, we, I think we would be perfectly clear. This job right now is probably as attractive as it's been in some time. Um, they have not had the mix of Alt and Fisher and Sam Hartman with that running back room. A lot of young, good receivers. It, you know, tight end is tight end. I, lo- I know you're losing Michael Mayer, but it's not like the. It's a barren position. Like, if you know what you're doing, you would run to this job and say, "All right." Do you want me to score 40 points a game or 42 points a game? Because I can get you either one. Like, yeah, this, I, they should be able to push 40 points with this offense. It's one of the great, you know, I wouldn't say the word tragedy, like football tragedy. Like, the, the sadness of Tommy Reese leaving for both his sake and Notre Dame's sake is like, and I wrote a column on this when I got Sam Hartman, is like they finally got the pieces right. that he's always wanted here. Now, again, I will not put those pieces up against the pieces he'll have at Alabama, even though we don't know who's going to be starting a quarterback for Alabama, nor do we know who will re- fill the receiver voids there next year. But um, this is a very attractive job. Tommy Reese was very well compensated in Notre Dame. Whoever they hire yes. in this job will be very well compensated. Uh, again, the Notre Dame bump um, is real. We went through the list of previous OCs at Notre Dame before Tommy Reese. Um this century, for the most part, I believe only two of them are still employed. It's Mike Dembrock at LSU and uh, Chuck Martin, who's still the head coach in Miami, Ohio. The rest of them are unemployed, and but for the most part, got head jobs or got good opportunities off minimal work, minimal accomplishments at Notre Dame. So I, I, I think it's a very desirable place to work. Um, you're coaching and dealing with good kids for the most part. You, you've got a lot of strengths. Uh, to play to your advantage, to say nothing of the football talent, which should be really freaking good on that side of the ball next year. So it's an attractive job. They should not settle for anything in this. Um, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I, I, Garrett, I, I say his name because he's the most recent one in, in the headlines. Like Garrett Riley just 
left and took another job at Clemson. Like, I don't think you're going to get him, but I, I, I think you should not settle. But if, but for, if Clemson wasn't open and Garrett Riley right, was oh, on staff yeah. at TCU, yes, exactly, we would be pounding the table for Garrett Riley to yes. be Notre Dame. And, and now that that is open, I mean, I'm I, I wouldn't rule out Brandon Streeter as a possibility. I mean, I think you know he became the, the quote unquote fall guy last year. Um, at Clemson in his first year as a, a play caller and offense coordinator, but he was a really good quarterback coach there for a long time. Uh, really good guy to deal with, good guy on that staff, really well-liked and, and respected on staff, and a hell of a recruiter. I mean, every great quarterback they've had at Clemson was a result of that guy. And unfortunately, the last one wasn't so great, and he ended up essentially costing him his job. Um, and now he's out of a job. Now, I look at him more as a quarterback's coach than I do an OC, not saying he can't do the OC part, but in his limited experience, it didn't go well. Um, is that a situation where that, – that's a situation in my mind where if you promote Jared Parker to OC, you keep him at tight ends and then hire Brandon Streeter as a quarterback's coach if you can make the math work with all right. that. And, again, that's like me just gaming this out in my mind right now. Um, what I think well, one element of this like that is – it wasn't on our list today – because I think it would be impossible to put on there is like someone with someone in the NFL right now coming back to college. I think nope. that will be. Uh, but I don't know who do. it will be. None of them want to do it. <laughs> Most yeah, guys want to go to I, the NFL. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Joe Brady is in Buffalo, but like you're probably not leaving Josh Allen to come back. Uh, right. To coach Sam Hartman. Right. It's funny because someone who was involved, very involved there, said we need to find our next Joe Brady. And I yeah. said, who is that? And he said, Joe Brady, ha, ha, ha. And I, I don't think like he meant like we're actually going to get Joe Brady, but it like. It, well, I mean, that's what I think. When I mentioned like you're not looking for the next Tommy Reese of four year, five years ago, you're not really looking. Like a Joe Brady hire I don't think would be a great idea for Marcus Freeman right now. No, but I think. Because uh, of the lack of play calling experience. The, the other name that was mentioned in the same breath of Joe Brady, with Joe Brady to me, was Jeff Levy, who, again, I don't think you're getting. Um, from my understanding, he did not. I mean, he went to Oklahoma. He's going to want to see this thing through after a really rough first year. And, and from my understanding, he was on Nick Saban's initial list and, and didn't show a whole lot of interest. And again, if you're not, if you're saying, oh, Nick Saban, I don't think you're going to, you know, change your mind and, and say yes to uh, Notre Dame. And again, Joe Moorhead's a, a unique case in that regard. But I think a Jeff Lebby type, uh, a, a talented offense coordinator who's still young enough and shows a lot of potential but has still been there and done that is would be ideal one name i want to get to who's on our list and i i would be really surprised if it turned out that this is the guy uh but he's worth having a discussion about is warren ruggiero uh longtime oc mm-hmm. at wake forest and i say that because obviously his old quarterback sam hartman is now at notre dame um I think part of the reason he's at Notre Dame is because he wanted to get away from the slow mesh offense and run more of a the NFL style system to showcase his talents at the next level. I, I don't know Warren Ruggiero well enough to say, oh, well, if he came to Notre Dame, he'd have an entirely new offensive approach. But even if he did, I feel like that's risky, right? Like Notre Dame's not going to run the slow mesh. And if they want a guy who's a little bit more established, they're probably not going to have a guy come in and, you know, burn the playbook and start from scratch. Um, mm-hmm. I think what he's done, you know, Wake Forest and Notre Dame are similar enough, as we've seen through Notre Dame hiring a lot of people from Wake Forest over the years, um, where I think it's translatable. I also think you're dealing with, for the most part, a higher – no, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Wake Forest had arguably the best receivers 
in the ACC the last couple of years. Definitely better than Notre Dame's and we're better at quarterback, which is why he's at Notre Dame right now. But uh, I, I, the thing with Warren Ruggiero that made him so special and made that Wake offense so unique was they were part of arguably the greatest public security breach in modern college football history with Wakey Leaks. And they essentially had to start from scratch and created this offense that no one had ever heard of before and that people still can't really get a whole lot of intel on because ever since Wakey Leaks, Wake's become one of the least accessible programs in the country as far as having coaches from elsewhere come and share ideas and things of that nature. Uh, so it's tough to get a read on Warren Ruggiero and Wake in general from that standpoint. But I, I, I think he's worth you know talking about and looking at on our list from the simple fact that you look at a program like Wake that is – you know, I believe as recently as last year, averaged more than 40 points per game and, again, produced a really good quarterback in Sam Hartman, who's now at Notre Dame. Yeah, that's that's all true. I mean, it's um, – you just sort of look at the the opportunity here with, like, yeah, the, the personnel back and, I mean, the names on our list, like, they don't all match with that, which is why I think that – you know, how many times do we put out these lists and it, the, the hire is not listed at all? Um, Marcus Freeman, yeah, Freeman, head coach. Marcus Freeman <laughs> – Nailed it, um, but for the most part, it's. I mean, that's Tommy Reese, OC, last yeah, time. <laughs> yeah, that was a that's a national search, but um, <laughs> I do think this is one where, I mean, it'll be interesting because like Freeman doesn't have a huge network personally. Um, you know, I think he has representatives who have a huge network um, that can, and it will be a sort of an interesting test and another confirmation of the attractiveness of working at Notre Dame. I mean, when Chip Long was hired, I'm not sure that we really were talking a lot about Chip Long at the time. Um, you know, Mike Sanford was sort of a name, but... Sanford was named Long. I mean, that point in time, I think, what, they had seven new assistants that year, so it was almost like, all right, here's, here's yeah, the OC. Yeah, like they got Elko, uh, and right. who's the OC? Oh, Chip Long. Um, so it's, I don't know, I just sort of view this as like, Marcus Freeman needs to be urgent about this, and get patient at the same time if possible. Um, you know, the, the timing is not great. If the timing happened a month ago, then Garrett Riley or I guess you throw Liam Cohen or somebody like that, like you would have maybe another option or two out there. Um, now that those guys have settled in new places, is much, much more difficult. So Matt Weiss is available. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably not happening there, but it, um, I just think that. Freeman has a job that is attractive enough that he can be exacting in who he hires. And like, I realize the the parallel is not great here, but when he hired Al Golden last winter, right. that went until after the Super Bowl. Um, and people were like, what's the deal? Why isn't this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? That Marcus Freeman knew who he wanted and he was willing to wait. Um, speaking of Al Golden, I did talk to a source about that today because there's a little scuttle about what his future holds. Um, I was told that he's excited to be back in Notre Dame for year two. Um, hasn't had a year two in a while. Um, you know, if you get to a point down the road where like there's an NFL DC opening like Cincinnati, um, that's worth monitoring. But for now, it's kind of a kind of a nothing to see here at the moment. But um, I bring up Golden just because like that was. Freeman was very exacting in what he wanted. I talked about how he was not going to compromise on the hire uh, or the qualifications for it, and he wanted somebody with more experience. I, I think that that will hold true with the OC job, too. He's going to want somebody with more experience. What do you think right now if you're Sam Hartman? 
I'd be ticked, man. I, really? I would be I would be upset. Um I'm not saying that I wouldn't come around to the new OC. Um, but I would be upset that I came here to be coached by Reese and I was recruited here by Reese and then it all went sideways. So that is But did did he come for I I'm not saying this is or isn't the case. Like, did he come for Tommy Reese? I mean, he came to be developed into a pro quarterback, right? Like, so he, he found a pro-style fit uh, with a pro-style coach and, frankly, like two NFL offensive tackles. Like, the NFL offensive tackles are still there. The run game is still there. Like, I would I would assume that Freeman is spending quite a bit of time with Sam Hartman and saying, like, look, bear with me on this. We are, go- we are going to run an offense that is going to prep you for the pros because that's the kind of offense I want to run here. Um, so I, I would be ticked, but there's a difference between being ticked off and like, I'm out of here after two weeks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a sense of frustration, understandable frustration there and uncertainty with him. Uh, this is again all speculative on my part, but like I also look as he spent five years in one place at Wake. He's about to be twenty four years old. Like, you know, we, we say it as much as we possibly can when it comes to high school recruits. I think it holds doubly true for you know transfer recruits, especially upperclassmen. Like, you don't commit to a place for one person or to you know, to be coached by a certain person because if they're good, they're not going to be there. And again, yeah. I know it's a little different when it's essentially a one year rental. Um, I, I, I think he came to Notre Dame as much for the possibilities of what Notre Dame can do for you personally, professionally, academically, brand-wise, NL-wise, you name it, as it was for any one individual. And Notre Dame has a pretty good hiring track record for the most part. So I don't I don't look at this as, as, as some great um, freak-out moment. Now, I could be completely wrong there. I mean, I, I hate to say this hasn't happened before because we've kind of seen it all, especially this cycle, but like, what would it take? I mean, is there a possibility he just follows Reese down to Alabama and is Alabama? I mean, Alabama doesn't have a starting quarterback right now. They've got some good recruits on, on, on board, but like, what would that even take? Is that even possible? If I don't this hypothetical world. Yeah. I don't think it is possible. I guess anything's possible in the hypothetical world of college (laughs) football now, but um, you know, coming to Notre Dame, the, the, personnel here is still pro style um and i think it would be a pretty quick conversation especially like look i mentioned earlier i think people with nfl experience will be interested in this job i believe probably some will end up getting interviews if i'm sam hartman and i want to be developing an nfl quarterback playing for an nfl coach is a that's a good thing um that's a positive so i think that that's a that's a brush fire that Marcus Freeman can put out pretty quickly. Um, but if I was Hartman today, I'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, after like making the decision to leave Wake Forest and not go pro and come to a place like this, um, to have it go this weird, this quickly, I think would be very frustrating, but that doesn't mean that that needs to be like a lingering situation that, you know, sends him packing or make sours him on his only year at Notre Dame before he even starts. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, he was supposed to talk today. They understandably moved that to next Friday with some early enrollees uh, from Notre Dame to to meet the media. I'll be curious to hear just his overall thoughts on the situation. Again, who knows what the state of things are seven days from now, let alone 24 hours from now. But, uh, yeah, it's just been interesting. I mean, for Alabama, you know, it's been interesting, right? I mean, Ryan Grubb, the OC at uh, 
Washington was down in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. You know, he was the target until he wasn't um, for Nick Saban. He ultimately said no. Now, um, from my understanding, Ryan Grubb said no to Nick Saban because I hate to say someone needs this more than someone else does, but Ryan Grubb is a lot older than Tommy Reese. He's making $2 million a year at Washington. He's got a quarterback in Michael Penix who could possibly win the Heisman next year. I don't think he needs like the Nick Saban career bump that a 30-year-old with three years of OC experience does. Uh, I get why Ryan Grubb said no. I get why Tommy Reese said yes. Um, I think both are perfectly rational and understandable. And I brought up the Hartman thing earlier because there was, I think, one of the 24-7 sites who covers Washington had thrown out during Grubb's interview, like, no one knows what this means for Michael Penix and if he would go down there with him or not. And I just thought, Mm. is that even possible? And I asked Christian Capel, our our, – esteemed Washington Huskies writer, what he thought of that. And he said, well, I don't think it makes sense because he's went there for Kalen DeBoer, not for Ryan Grubb. So I don't think it would matter. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, just one of a number of, of, of threads and layers to, to still kind of straighten itself out after today's news and stuff we'll certainly be monitoring. Um, do <laughs> I hate to get dramatic, but do we have like the legacy discussion now? Because I'm sure people are – I don't even go on Twitter during these moments because people just make fools oh, of themselves. But like, the what? Best. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I don't have any profound statements on this. I'm more amused by the, the legacy of uh, Reese's take the wheel. Um, that the I mean, there were so many memes with Tommy Reese over the years that uh, God bless the guy for putting up with all of them. Um, I think that well. As long as Sam Hartman is still here, then that may. Uh, I think that the, re, the the legacy is overall positive. I, I mean, my perception of that of eighty percent of the fan base is that all right. You played quarterback here for four years. You were coached here for five, six. S- yeah, six. I guess we're counting this year as a year. The, oh um, no, no, se- seventeen. He was off field. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, oh, yeah. twenty-two, yeah. twenty-two. Yeah. Um, you know, that is, that's a, Hey, we appreciate your service. Um, I think that the majority of Notre Dame fans get it, that going to Alabama is not a lateral move. Um, that the position may be the same, but the prestige is up. Um, Alabama is where Notre Dame's trying to go as a program. So I think overwhelmingly people are sort of positive about it. Um, the timing is not great, but like, when is the timing great for this right. stuff? It never is. So, um, I don't know what if your perception is similar to that, but I, yeah, I think I, overall, I, I think it's. I mean, you're. We ago. definitely won over a few converts of like, hey, Reese is a good offensive coordinator, and then our listeners or readers would be like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Well, like, yeah, well, I mean, like, we're, Nick Saban's in our camp now. I feel like I mean, you still get tagged in like tweets of Michael Luck Jr. because he had the gall after the Ohio State yeah. came to come on our podcast and say he knows what he's doing, right? Like. Um, it's it you can't try to make sense of it because none of it will ever make sense if you're looking for like this binary good bad good or bad answer but um you know it, this little more than what 12 13 months ago he was hailed as a hero for not leaving and i never really got like this 
love affair that like I never got the sense that there was this love affair the fan base had with him as a coach to begin with. That was the most popular he ever was. Right. I mean, at the spring game, there were people wearing um, presidential tickets shirts that said Freeman Reese 22. We're not bleeping leaving. Um, You lose to Marshall and that all goes out the window. I think that's just the nature of the job. I think it's probably a little more personal when it's your alma mater and there's that like deep relationship and probably does everyone a little bit good to spread their wings a little bit and, and get away from that and let let everything breathe a little bit um in that regard i mean I'm not, they're, they're completely different situations i do like i covered this last month like i'm still hearing a lot of negative backlash from big 10 folks about kevin warren right now for him leaving for the chicago mm-hmm. bears and i don't remember these people ever having a good thing to ever say about kevin warren which leads me to believe you're just pissed he broke up with you before you could break up with him. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a lot of similarities in that regard here. Like, oh, you left us for another date that happened to scoop you up at our airport and make a big show of it. Like, there, there's there's an element of that at play. But I think reasonable minds can understand what this will do for his career. And, you know, as good as he is, it's not like he's irreplaceable. Again, we just went over a number no. of really qualified names who – can step in or should be able to step in assuming Notre Dame can and does get them and, and do a good job. So, and look at who's to say he won't one day be a head coach at Notre Dame, right? That was not going to happen by staying at Notre Dame forever. No, rightly, this, rightly this or wrongly. This that. This completely. I mean, look, you, that's it's, we are, we went over that already. Like you're the OC at Alabama. You're in position to be a power five head coach or an NFL offensive coordinator at a minimum. NFL head coach. I mean, eventually, yeah. yeah. Eventually an NFL head coach. So why wouldn't that apply to Notre Dame on the backside of things if there's an opening down the road? I mean, I think that we are years away from that, and you don't stay at Alabama for years. Um, so, but... He's, he's the sixth OC there in the last eight years, I believe. Yeah, it just... This... In terms none, none of, of whom a, got fired, by the way. Like, they right. all did such a good job that they <laughs> moved up in the world. As in terms of an apprenticeship and a learning opportunity, I think this is incredible for Reese. So that's that all makes sense, and it yeah, it, it sounds strange to say it, but it makes it more likely that he would come back to Notre Dame and that he would ultimately be a candidate to be the Notre Dame head coach down the road than if he had just stayed and right. was like sort of a lifer here because this is all my matter. I mean, hasn't worked out this way, and it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but his last offense coordinator in Notre Dame took a major pay cut to go take a Mac head coach job because his goal was to one day become the Notre Dame head coach. It hasn't worked out that way for Chuck Martin, but he's still at Miami of Ohio. He's done a lot of good things there. That was, like, the logic behind that move, which, again, he took a major, major haircut on financially for that one, but he knew if he ever wanted to be the head coach at his dream school, he was going to have to get head coaching experience and – take a bit of a different career path so yeah there's no doubt so i mean it's a big i mean for me this is this might be the biggest hire that marcus freeman makes however long his tenure in order definitely it's the biggest today yeah yeah it's the biggest today but i don't know if there will be one that will be bigger um i don't be with his defensive background i don't i don't see defensive coordinator as like this massive hire uh for him like he knows what he wants to run and and he can find somebody to run it um offensively like his background is not into the the x's and o's the schemes of this stuff so he can say hey i want play calling experience um i want quarterback development and i think one thing that he will prioritize 
not first on the list, but on the list is the ability to play at tempo. Um, that's sort of my understanding, talking to people closer to the situation. So that that's still a pretty wide net. Um, and then you got to find somebody who fits the culture of your program in a way that, um, you know, I think that's, that's a spot where they could enhance, like to be blunt about it. Um, you know, that there are a lot of offensive coordinators that you don't see on camera doing the do your effing job thing. Um, and we all loved it when it was happening, but I'm not sure if that's like Freeman's first pick in terms of culture building and player relations. I don't think that was a one-off that was caught by the cameras in that nope. moment. Let me put it that way. No. Um, you know who would be – just think about this as you said, Tempo, and I think we may have texted about this before. You know who I think would have been really good? And he's probably not available because he just took another job, but it may be worth a call if that's what you want to do. Sean Lewis um, right, was the head coach at Kent State. Similar in profile to Akron. He did an absolute miracle – worked an absolute miracle job turning that thing around um, and then left to uh, become the OC for Coach Prime uh, in Boulder. Uh, Sean Lewis is a Southside Chicago guy. Uh, I don't know of any particular ties in our name beyond geography there, but <laughs> if you married into a Southside Chicago family, there's a better chance than not. You're very, very fond of Notre Dame. And uh, the guy calls a hell of a game um, and is the embodiment of a player's coach. Um, you know, he fought tooth and nail for those guys. I mean, that job was so freaking bad when he took it over as a 31 year old or whatever he was at the time, and he got them in a bowl game. Um, pretty quickly so uh, again I don't think that's realistic given that he just moved to Boulder his family just moved to Boulder and I don't know it'd be interesting Freeman calls up coach prime here and says hey <laughs> what, what do you think about about letting your OC we'll out of his we'll deal and Dylan and Edwards here. if you give us Sean Lewis <laughs> um, yeah what about um I mean now I'm just sort of riffing here but like the the from the Mac head coach point of view like somebody like Jason Candle um just signed an extension last week, but okay. but I, your point, but, um, yeah, I mean, really good recruiter down in Florida, um, from Ohio, from Ohio, from the Mount the Union tree, if Mount I'm not Union mistaken. Tree, right, he, uh, is one, not two, really a been a quarterbacks coach a little bit, but um, he did good work you know, with the QBs there this year, and should, been a head coach since 2016. Damn near beat Marcus Freeman's defense <laughs> last year right. at uh, at Notre Dame. Um, you know, Candle, funny enough, and we keep coming back to this, also interviewed for the Miami OC job last year um, that ultimately went to Josh Gaddis. And I think there was some – there was a sense at the time of, oh, why didn't Candle take it? He would have got a pay raise. He would have restarted his clock for the new AD at a Mac school where, you know, for the most part, you, you stay long enough and you get fired um, if you don't get out of there soon enough because they all eventually regress to the mean. And he went out there and won a second Mac title this year and got an extension. So more power to him. Um yeah, but I mean that type of guy. I think is someone who should be uh, on Notre Dame's radar. And frankly, if Jason Candle couldn't get a bigger head job after winning another MAC title there, then yeah, having that Notre Dame offense coordinator line on your resume would absolutely qualify you for that next big mid-tier Power Five job whenever it, it comes open. Yeah, maybe younger guy, um, but experienced at the same time. I think it's a Notre Dame staff is, I think, pretty youthful right now. Um, I think that Freeman probably would want to keep it that way. So I, I just think that for me, like culture fit is number one. Um, I, and I don't 
it's not something to be sort of brushed under the rug or be like, oh, culture, everybody says that. Like, I think Freeman has a very clear idea of what culture looks like here. Um, but then play calling experience has got to be number two. Um, and that's, to me, that, that's like kind of a non-negotiable. Um, you got to have those two things, and then we can talk about schemes and tempo and recruiting. things of that nature. <laughs> yeah, rec- recruiting also is a non-negotiable. Um, so you got three non-negotiables, and I think the style of offense you want to play can come after that, um, after you check those other three boxes. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It should be uh, – I don't have a timeline on this, not, nor do I think Notre Dame has a timeline on this right now, but I'll no, be curious to not see. Not as we record on Friday afternoon. Sure. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how this search unfolds as much as I am curious to see where it ultimately lands. Um, so we came very close to having the same conversation right around this time last year, and it would have been even more interesting right then, given that the boss hadn't even coached a game at that point. Um, yep. Now there's a, a little bit of comfort and direction and sense of where they're going here um, under Marcus Freeman. And, yeah, it's you know, never a dull moment <laughs> with this with this team, as we know. Uh, just when it looked like the entire staff was going to come back for the first time in what feels like forever, um, it's not. And by the way, the SEC West now employs Mike Denbrock, Tommy Reese, and Charlie West Jr. as offense coordinators. Three people intimately familiar with the uh, greater Michiana region, which is pretty yeah. funny. The SEC West is exactly what you think of with that. No doubt, yeah. Vanderbilt's just holding down the Notre Dame outpost on the <laughs> SEC East side of things. Not, not, enough, not enough representation on that uh, that side of that conference. But All right, well, we'll wrap up here on this uh, semi-emergency podcast that Matt and I, I think we we knew we were going to be recording something, whether it was last night we were prepared to do something, this morning we were prepared to do something. I think we we're we we're waiting uh, for Tommy Reese to have his moment um, and make the make the decision to head to Alabama as its next offensive coordinator, which creates um, one hell of an opportunity for Marcus Freeman here. And I think that's you know that's what I wrote in my column this morning. It's like. The first thing this is is an opportunity for Marcus Freeman. Yes. It's a lot of other things too, uh, but it's a huge opportunity for Marcus Freeman to make the program a little bit more his, um, you know, from where it was last year as he goes into his second year as Notre Dame's head coach. So on that note, we'll wrap up there. He's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock. <laughs>